minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the longest contiguous brick building on the East Coast, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco. And a reminder that today's podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. I don't know why I put a little twang on that. Marymount. Yeah, I heard a little Southern accent. <laughs> that was I accidental, like I swear. Yeah. Um, Marymount. And I threw a little fact in there for people to uh, digest. And uh, was and, your uh, is that your new thing? Your new bit? Just throwing in random fact about the warehouse. Every Bobby, time you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it fresh. You can't be stale in today's day day and age. You know, no, kids you kids have short attention spans. They're on their phones. You know, they're listening to this on uh, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play. They're they're doing other things. They're working out. They're hanging out with friends. You know, a, a lot of kids I hear on Fridays nights in Baltimore will like go and hang out and be like, yo, let's let's not go out tonight. Let's just chill inside and let's put on the Mass and All Access podcast. Just to hear the tidbit about the warehouse from Paul Mancano. Exactly. And so from inside the warehouse. So from, for you kids out there listening to this right now, you're welcome. You for kids. This, for this you kids. great, uh, how do you do, Philip? You're 24. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who, who, are you, who are you to call someone a kid? Yeah, this is true. This is true. I did, uh, when we had... I hosted a Q and A or MC to Q and A recently with um, very cool. By the way, good job. Thank you. With uh, uh, first, it was the minor league players of the year. So it was um, Grayson Rodriguez, Ryan Mountcastle, and Mike Bauman. And then the second group was a player development side with Michael Elias, Buck Britton, who's the manager of the uh, Bowie Bay Sox, um, Kyle Moore, who's the manager of the Delmarva Shorebirds, Both Justin Ramsey, the year. yeah, and Justin Ramsey, who's his pitching coach. And I brought up. Uh, uh, how young Kyle Moore was. And I said, at first thing, I was so young. And then I realized I was like, I'm like 10 years younger than Kyle Moore. <laughs> yeah. So, you guys are uh, being sorry, Kyle. literal child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and he <laughs> felt like he could have thrown that right back at me. Yeah. So thank you, Kyle, for not doing that. I uh, appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was a cool experience, by the way, to yeah, bring that up. Uh, that was really cool. You always, I mean, those things, I, and this is going to sound like I'm, um, you know, just, just uh, flattering Orioles fans, but you always do get a sense of that Orioles fans are truly some of the most knowledgeable fans yeah. in all of baseball. Yeah. Um, just because they know they know who these guys were. Like they, there were people that were coming up to, the, and it helps that you have the minor league teams close by. Um, but there were fans that had legitimate questions. One fan asked Ryan Mountcastle, he goes, Ryan, we got to get you to stay at first. I've seen the numbers. Your numbers are better when you're at first. You hit better when you're playing first base as opposed to third. We got to get you to go there, to stay there. Yeah. So it's like, who, who, who is going on baseball reference, looking up Ryan Mountcastle stats, stats in Norfolk, but Orioles fans do. Yeah, so. of course they do. I mean, they're great. And you also had a good day to do it because it was the last Saturday home game of the season, yes. right? So I, I was here. I didn't get to go listen to your... Uh, the Q and A sessions, but I was, you know, up here in the warehouse in the studio. And I mean, from the moment the gates opened, they were also doing like one of their last giveaways too, but just flood of orange. Yeah. It was, it was a, great. One of their best. I think I, I thought, I don't know the number, but one of their best attended home games of the season. No question. Rightfully so, because it's the last weekend, the last series for you to come out and see uh, the Orioles in person for 2019. You have to wait until spring training, if not opening day to come see the Orioles again. So yeah. you, not only did you have great guests, 
um, you get great attendance too. And obviously they're knowledgeable, but like a good number of people seem to be coming to that because a lot of people showed up for that game and for the last weekend of the regular season. Yeah, there was a line. Or they, home week, home series. The they waited season. until like 5.30 to open those gates up to the, the um, centerfield roof deck, and the, there was like already a line of like 20 or some people down, all to see me, frankly, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, you know, after I was signing autographs left and right. I'm just kidding. I yeah, yeah, only yeah. signed a few babies. Just, <laughs> how's your best friend, uh, Michael Bauman? Mike Bauman, who I've interviewed about eight times. Well, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I in, in previous instances, I've kind of poked fun at him for getting lost at Oriole Park Camden Yards. Right. Because one time I was waiting to do an interview with him and J.C. Ascara, and he was nowhere to be found. And apparently he's just being taken around, but everybody kind of interpreted it as he was lost. Yeah. So I asked him right beforehand. I said, can I bring that up during the Q&A? He's like, no. <laughs> so I'm bringing <laughs> it up don't. on the podcast. All right. No, but it was not his fault. I want to make that clear. He's a very smart guy. Also, all three of those guys were massive. All th- like all three of the um, well, the professional ball players. They are, but also three of the tallest players in the Orioles system. Like Grayson Rodriguez oh, really? is like like actually six five, I uh, think. Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, is huge. Bauman, Big I think, guy. is six six. It's he's at least six five or six four. I mean, he is legitimately huge. And Ryan Mountcastle is bigger than I expected. He must be at least six two, maybe six three. Um, and you're five ten on a good day. Five nine on a good day. Dang. Yeah. And I'm today's a, a good day, so you're yeah. Welcome. So five ten, yeah, looking looking good. Um, yeah, big guys, big arms. Yeah, and Mountcastle obviously MVP of his league, so just slugging baseballs. He's, yeah. he's a big guy. Well, and it was great to see. I mean, those are three guys that obviously had great years. Two of them were kind of expected to and hoped that they would, considering they came into the year as top prospects. Bauman, not so much. You know, yeah. kind of on the the outskirts of the the top thirty for the Orioles system, but. He's like a lot of guys um, in the Orioles system that it just seems like uh, all these guys had great years, and, and Bauman was was one of them. So. Yeah, I mean, we're, that's kind of one of the stories that we've been following along all season for the Orioles, especially with our minor league trips, or guys who are flying under the radar in the system. Yeah. Because we talked a bunch about how up here in the Major League Club, guys are fighting for their careers and you know trying to impress this new regime and Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde, but it goes so far even down through the minor league system, like all the way down to Frederick and Delmarva, Gulf Coast, Aberdeen, yeah. Gulf Coast. You know, guys are trying to prove themselves we belong in the system because not that Michael Elias and company are cleaning house, but they're making their own evaluations and, yeah. and stuff. So we, I think it was one of the cooler things we did and getting sentimental on the last regular season podcast, not that we're going to stop podcasting in the offseason, but like, you know, one of the cooler things I look back on this season that we did at Madison All Access was go through the minor league system. We didn't make it to Norfolk, but go to every uh, minor league club and be able to tell those stories of guys who are maybe flying underneath the radar. Guys yeah. that Orioles fans should be, because they are passionate fans, should be looking at not just the Mount Castles, the obviously Adley Rutschman, uh, yeah. the Austin Hayes, you know, guys who are, you know, up and coming and, you know, you could see make the jump from single A to double A to double A to triple A next season and, and may, or maybe even break team or break camp with the team um, um, down in Sarasota next, yeah. uh, next spring. Well, that is a perfect transition to talk about uh, the, some of the, we started last week with some of the position groups and where we see guys having certain advantages going into 2020 spring training maybe not locking up a spot and we're not guaranteeing anything here, but guys who have impressed this year and are likely to be front runners for jobs come next spring training. We started, we went around the diamond and now we have left outfielders and we have left pitchers. So Mm -hmm. big discussions to have 
Uh, starting with the outfielders, first and foremost, goodness gracious, Austin Hayes. Good Lord, that kid. That man. That man is just a beast. Flying all over the place. I yep. mean, have you ever... Oh, I'm trying to think. Maybe Trey Mancini when he first came up because he hit a couple bombs in his first couple of games back in, I want to say, 2016 when 2016, he first came yeah. up. But it's not just – and this is no knock on Trey. We know that he's a natural first baseman and they had to throw him in the outfield. But Austin Hayes making plays not only at the plate but just flying all over the outfield. Yeah. Uh, center field making diving catches, making, making robbing home runs, making leaping catches at the wall. Uh, so, I mean, I know his offensive numbers – Speak to it, and you'll get to that in a second. But the stuff he's done on defense, I mean, his and the energy he brings. Honestly, the energy that he brings, some might say, is uh, kind of spicy. You know, like a little. Uh, is that a wink to the? It camera? was a wink to the camera. Uh, it was just you know he just brings that energy, that fun energy, and it's just like it's exciting. And I know yeah. it's it's been a tough season, and it's been it's been hard um, for a lot of Orioles fans to see some of these guys, you know, or this team. I guess just kind of walk through the season and getting right. beat up on. But, I mean, just to see a kid like that who has been known, has been and, and also coming back from an injury uh, in the system to just interject that energy into this team in the last couple weeks of the season, give people a reason to watch while the season's winding down. has just been so awesome for this team and, and great for Austin Hayes himself. Well, we had this conversation with Ryan Mountcastle because we were talking about whether he would be a September call-up because his stats have certainly proved that he earns it. Um, but the question is, you know, is he, um, would, would him struggling at the big league level, would that really affect how, uh, you know, if he were not to be able to um, do well here, if that would affect what his confidence going into next year, if that might be a problem, if he really struggled coming, you know, for the one month of the season. But I think it's a different situation when it comes to Austin Hayes, because Austin Hayes has been, one being to the been to the big leagues before, obviously not a, a large sample size, but he's he's been there before. Um, and two, he's a guy that has struggled with injuries, and he did not get the plate appearances that the team was hoping he would get in terms of just total number coming into this year. I mean, he, um, you know, he, because of the injuries that he consistently faces, he just was at a at a lack for plate appearances, and they wanted to give him give them to him. So him coming up to the major league level was partly just to say, you know, not as much pressure to do well, but more just to say, we want to see you uh, be in a lineup every day and produce every day. So that, that I think to me is a, uh, a big reason why he has gotten the call instead of a Ryan Mountcastle, right. because um, they're still around the same age. You know, they still um, are pretty highly touted, but uh, it has been awesome to see that he has taken this opportunity and run with it. Well, it's also it's also kind of a point where, yeah, they want to see him play every day, give him a shot, but now he's also earning his spot in the lineup yeah. every day. You know, it's like now he's got to a point, even though there's three games left, Brandon Hyde can't take him out of the lineup because he has contributed every day. I mean, I think he went 0-4 on Tuesday, but then came back. He was only, that it was like 11-4 game, Orioles win in Toronto, and everyone in the lineup, I, b- I believe they mentioned on the O's Extra postgame show, everyone in the lineup got a hit, at least a hit, except for Austin Hayes. And he came back right next day, and I think Wednesday, he had at least one, if not two hits yesterday. Yeah. So, And also, <laughs> he didn't make one play. He, he missed his like first miss in the outfield. But nonetheless, he's a guy that is, right, he's taking this opportunity and running with it, literally, and is now is at a point, again, with just three games left, I know, 
but Brandon Hyde's like, I can't take this guy out of the lineup. He he's in his number two hitter right now. Right? Yeah. He's hitting ahead of Trey Mancini and and kind of helping engage or not engage, um, jumpstart this offense early yeah. on. And, you know, he's hitting three hundred. Again, limited option, limited uh, playing time so far in September, but um, he's not only getting the opportunity, but he's running with it. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't know that he was this good of a defender and this fast. Um, he's kind of got that uh, Stevie Wilkerson mindset where I'm just going to run and, <laughs> and either I'm going to, something's going to stop me or I'm going to catch the ball. Yeah. Honestly, I thought he might've been injured on that one catch. He crashed into the outfield. He got up immediately, but the way his head hit the wall. The one where he robbed like, is yes. like kind of jerked back behind the wall. Yeah. yeah. And his hat came off. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit worried, but obviously he was fine. But um, yeah, he is, he is. Full go yeah. in the outfield. And again, that's that energy that you want. That yeah. You want to see it. in a season like this, you want a reason to tune in. You want a reason to come to the ballpark. You want to see guys who run right. out there and give 100% every single out, even though this team's not going anywhere in 2019. Yeah. And his, uh, so he, according to StatCast, 86 percentile in terms of sprint speed, which small sample size, but, but pretty impressive. impressive. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting when you talk Crash. about Hayes in the context of the larger Orioles outfield conversation, because I think you could say the Orioles are pretty deep in terms of their system and outfielders. They have Yosnio Diaz, who is still in double A, but he showed the last couple months of the season. They moved Ryan Mountcastle, tried him in the left field, so he could be an option there. They still have Ryan McKenna, who's down at the double um, A level. But it is important, I think, to get a a certain a a defined center fielder. Yeah. Because um, you know, there are guys that typically, you know, a guy who's not a very good defender, if they can't throw him at DH or first base, they'll throw him in a corner outfield right. and then just kind of deal with it there. But you ultimately need somebody in center who is a good outfielder yeah. and a, a very good defensive player. So to see that from Hayes is very is um it's it inspires a lot of confidence because you look at the other guys in the system. Diaz doesn't, he has tools, but he doesn't, he's not a plus defender at this point at right. Bowie. Um, obviously, Mancini is a first baseman and only an emergency right fielder when he's needed. So um, to have somebody who in your system who you know, okay, this guy is going to be at least an average center fielder, that certainly helps. And that gives you more freedom to work on the left field, right field. But it's been going on for a couple of seasons now, dating back to even, even when Adam Jones was here. I mean, now I know he had a, solid season in Arizona, but Orioles could not help but think think ahead and like, all right, who's going to take over when this guy is either no longer here or not playing up to, you know, starts going down on his career, not playing up to the level that we've accustomed to seeing him play at. Yeah. Cedric Mullins came up, had a good couple of games last year, I guess, a yeah, stretch a run. Month, um, was up here beginning of this season but just couldn't hold on to it yeah and I'm not, again we're, we're also like you said earlier we're not declaring anyone like yeah. as a definite but you have to feel good about if you're the Orioles Austin Hayes right now because he is contributing both at the plate and can can play in the field and yeah. it's almost like you know I talk about all the time how I enjoy watching Richie Martin play and I think he deserves to stay up here or deserve to stay up here not just because of his rule five status but because of his ability to play defense at a yeah. at a valuable position you know the net the center field is the most valuable position in the outfield austin hayes he's also contributing at the plate but then also making these fantastic plays in center field and um i don't think we've exactly seen his arm be tested just yet no yeah um i do recall i want to say it was monday in toronto there was an opportunity why he threw to third instead of home 
And I wonder if that was because he didn't think he'd get it to home or if just because it was a sack flag type of scenario. Gotcha. And I wonder if he just threw it a third just to be safe and caught up, make sure the runner at second didn't advance as well, which is smart baseball as well. But I, I wanted to see him just at least try throw it home because I yeah. haven't seen him test his arm yet. But back to my original point, I think the Orioles have to be feel comfortable with their outfield scenario. You know, for a good portion of the season, they had Stevie Wilkerson out there. And like, like we said, you know, he's got that, I'm going to run through a brick wall to catch this ball mentality. That's great. Maybe not sustainable, <laughs> but also, you know, they might want to play him around the diamond more, you know, use him as more of a utility guy as a pure, as opposed to a pure outfielder, center fielder. Uh, I think before he got scratched the other night, when the, the, the blue Jays scratched their starter, he was slotted to play shortstop. Then, starter scratch of the Brandon High shelf right. of his line of run. So they might want to see him in a more of a utility kind of role and have Austin Hayes be a straight center fielder. You're you're the you're the eighth spot. Right. So besides Austin Hayes, um, there are a number of options, number of different paths that Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias can go next year when it comes to the roster and the outfield. Hayes, I think at this point we can agree, he's still twenty four years old. He's got, assuming, uh, God forbid, he he suffers an injury. We hope that he just stays healthy. That's the at this point, that's the most important thing for him this off season. Stay healthy, come into spring training, hundred percent, and get through a healthy spring training. I yeah. think. Um, so Hayes has an inside track for a starting job next year. I think that that is clear. Um, beyond that, Mancini, as mentioned, let's assume uh, that we're going to take a couple steps here. Mark Trumbo is. Uh, on an expiring contract. Right. Um, he may retire after this year. Um, it's an incredible story that he was able to come back, but he's obviously not part of this team's future. So let's assume that we put Trey Mancini and Chris Davis in a kind of switching spot since we know Davis is coming back. Both of them can DH first base. Yeah. And and Trumbo's kind of out of the conversation. Right. So then that leaves you with a lot of options out there. Yeah. So um, names I want to go through. DJ Stewart, San, Anthony Santander, Dwight Smith Jr., Mason Williams, and Stevie Wilkerson. That's five names right there. Who among you, that group to you, Bobby, has been the most impressive? Santander has to stick out. I mean, this from where he came from as a Rule 5 draft pick himself, um, you know, some people have said this might be like the one shining diamond in the rough that Dan Duquette left the Orioles uh, since being, you know, let go and, and Michael Elias coming in. And this is his like last gift to the Orioles finding Anthony Santander. The guy who, you know, that one, his first rule five season really struggled. He did not seem prepared. He, I get one of those guys who like the tools are there. He just needs seasoning, but are they actually going to pan out? He showed pop at some times. He showed he could hit for average, but it just wasn't a consistent basis. You know, is this guy really going to pan out? And then to come in this season and and do the things that he did. I mean, looking at his numbers, 261, not great, but not terrible. Uh, 20 home runs, that, that really sticks out to me. Uh, being able to hit the long ball is something that I didn't think he'd be able to do on a consistent basis. Yeah, um, I thought he would be more of a guy who could – you can – and also his defense. I didn't think he could do that on a consistent basis. He doesn't seem like that fast, that athletic of a guy. He's a big kid, big guy. You know, you've said next to him in person. He's a big guy. Broad shoulder. I, I didn't see that. I didn't see the speed he has in the outfit that he's displayed. He has the arm that can definitely play out there. But the speed that he's shown this season, I thought was also impressive. But the power, to, the ability to hit for power, to me, is something that Orioles are going to value. Um, again, the two sixty one average is isn't fantastic, but I I, I see that as a possibility, like a growing space for him. He could also probably grow there and get better with, with seasoning. Um, Santana to me 
if you're asking like who's going to lock down spots, I think it's his job in left field to lose going into next spring training just because of the season he had this year. He is was incredibly impressive at the plate. He is just hitting 132 since September 3rd, so um, potentially some holes in his swing that he needs to get figured out before next year. His defense, not to turn into a scout, his defense, I would say he has the tools, definitely. I think he's improved. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think it. I think a lot of it might be just kind of giving him more experience, getting him to learn the ins. Because sometimes he'll occasionally throw to the wrong guy, he'll occasionally misread a ball. I think that's a, a, a place where he could improve. But he has the tools, I think. To getting do. used to different outfields as well, too. That's always tricky. Yeah. So Santander, I completely agree. Um DJ Stewart is an interesting conversation. He hit 250 in limited time with the Orioles last year. Um, came up this year again with the expanded roster, hitting just 231, two, only a 293 on base percentage, three homers. He's 25 years old. He is a former first round pick. Has not really shown enough in a, again, a small sample size to warrant having an inside track at a job, I would say, next yeah. year, Bobby. But you don't want to quite give up on him yet, considering he was a first-round pick. Yeah, uh, you you have him under control for however many years left. He's in your system. To me, two things. One, his health. We've seen him battle with injuries before, and now it's his head. You know, concussions are always scary, especially when you go through two in a season. Yeah, freak accidents. I know, but still, like health first. He he's playing now, which is a good sign. He's consistently playing. His ability for power as a left-handed hitter is just so valuable. I mean, uh, especially with, you know, the type of hitter that Chris Davis has evolved into. You can't really count on him to be your power lefty bat. Can possibly DJ Stewart evolve into that? Um, and then, But then also the other thing that worries me outside his health is the ability to play defense. Do you feel comfortable pushing, putting him in right field every day Yeah, and, and, and playing defense? He probably has the arm because he's a strong guy. But does he have the speed to cover ground out there? Does he have the smarts? Like you mentioned, your concern with Anthony Santander. Does he know where to go with the ball once he gets it at all times? Those type of those type of things come with season with experience, learning, yeah. and, and playing the game and understanding game situations. But the natural ability to play right field is something, or any outfield position is concerning to me. I don't know if it's exactly there. He seems to me that could kind of mold back into a DH bench or. Uh, first base kind of position. Yeah, I could see that as well. Um, and then the other three guys I think are interesting to talk about because they haven't shown a whole lot, and those spots, I don't know how many spots they're going to be up for grabs coming into next year. Dwight Smith Jr., 26. He started out the year on fire, as we might remember, then all the way fell average. Average fell all the way down to 244. He does have 13 homers. Um Beyond that, Mason Williams getting a little bit of an opportunity near the end of the year after spending most of the year in the minors. He does have big league experience at age 28. He played in 50-some games for the Reds last year. And then Wilkerson just has been given a ton of opportunities, just has not hit well. 226, 284 on base, and just a 387 slugging. So I think they this team definitely values Wilkerson's versatility defensively. But how much do they value it to the point where they can carry his two two twenty six bat? Yeah, his batting average is definitely the question mark there. Uh, I think there will be a place for Stevie Wilkerson on this roster, at least from twenty twenty. I don't think it's going to be on a consistent basis. Yeah, enough. I think you can't run him out there when you have a bat like Austin Hayes, possibly. Again, assuming Anthony Santander gets his average up, which is already better. Yeah. Um, 
and then whoever I mean, you can maybe if you're at you know, if DJ Stewart comes into spring training and just doesn't show the ability to hit for average or even the long ball like you're expecting and, and really grasping defense out there, you can maybe risk running Steve Wilkerson out there and burying him in the bottom of the lineup. But I know ideally someone like a you know Diaz you know has a really good spring training or whoever else right. Ryan McKenna maybe or Cedric Mullins maybe can take that next step and jump up here and snatch that role from him and then you can stash Steve Wilkerson on your bench as a utility guy for yeah. late defensive substitution or, or pitch pinch running. I would say regardless of how this shakes out, you got to feel good about that outfield group going forward, the potential of that. There's a lot of potential and there's options. You know, they're, they're going to have choices. They're going to, and hopefully tough choices to make um, in in February and March next, next year. But yeah, you, like you said, there, there's, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. Especially considering you still have those guys mentioned, you still have a Diaz and McKenna uh, in the minors, just waiting to come up and maybe a Mount castle will be inserted into the outfield. So that'll be exciting. All right, let's switch over to the pitchers. I want to give you how many names do I have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven names that I think absolutely will be locks um, next year. Alex Cobb. We know about his injury history, but as uh, Michael, I said, he is expected to be in spring training and he wants a full year out of him. It's got two years left, man. I mean, I don't think there's much of an option there. Yeah. I mean, I, again, ideally, was this my this was probably supposed to happen this season? Obviously, with the injury, didn't. Right. But ideally, he gets healthy, has a full spring training, has a good start to the twenty twenty season, and becomes a trade chip. Uh, Paul Fry, I think, has earned a, an option as a uh, a spe- specialty kind of guy coming out of the bullpen. Yeah, um, I think he has been uh, you know not as good as of late, but still one of the few pitchers with an ERA around four at this point. Um, so I like his potential. Bundy, obviously. Um, he's he's going to be here. Michael Givens, obviously, he's going to be here. Still one of the more valuable trade chips in theory that this team has going into next year. Miguel Castro showed some signs before that grand slam a couple weeks ago. He was looking like he was turning a corner. And then John Means, of course. So those seven... Oh, and Hunter Harvey, I should not forget, of course. Um, the same issues, similar issues with uh, Austin Hayes. Just got to prove that he's healthy. He has all the potential in the, in the world. He just needs to have a full, healthy spring training and show that he can stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, and um, he will be their best arm of the bullpen if if Hunter Harvey is healthy. Yeah, I mean we've seen it touching up triple digits. I mean he's he blew away some of the best hitters that the, the Orioles have gone up against in the few innings that he pitched, and, and in tough spots too. So if he has that mentality, you know, again. It's a little saddened that he was the guy that was kind of tagged to be with Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman at the top of this rotation for the future plans. Didn't work out that way, but good to see him healthy, getting major league experience, and possibly reinventing himself as a strong bullpen arm. That'd be awesome. I mean, that's and like possibly like the closer. You yeah. know, he has closer stuff that can you know yeah. to get three mile out an hour and, fastball. and the the big stage doesn't seem to move him at all like he seems locked in and he can do it son of a major leaguer as well so um a guy that uh yeah we were all the potential just really hoping he can stay healthy uh beyond that bobby there are i don't want to go through all the names because there are 38 there are a lot of pitchers 38 guys <laughs> pitched at least some portion of the season for the orioles there Not are including the handful of position players yes uh there are a ton and frankly, not too many performances that are of note at this point. Um, I think one guy, Brandon Klein, is interesting for the future, considering he still has a lot of potential. But 
Really did not perform all that well. Went up and down a few times, six ERA. Other than that, I mean, you have your Evan Phillips. You well, here's the thing about Gabriel, Evan, you know, uh, Evan Phillips was the guy I wanted to bring up because, and he's drawing some eyes as of late. Brandon Hyde talked about him uh, at one of his pregame sessions earlier t- this week in, in Toronto. And um, I believe, you know, all the reporters that were there in Toronto have been writing about Evan Phillips because he's been, uh, he, the guy hasn't let up a run in this month. Uh, he's been really well. And, and Brandon Hyde said when he's throwing strikes down in the zone, he he's got great stuff. His stuff will play up here, and he can get outs. Yeah, and that's what that's his key. So, if Evan if Evan Phillips can continue to be that kind of guy, continue to throw strikes down the zone, get guys out, he will be a solid piece in this bullpen, I believe, for next year. That'd be nice. Yeah, and it, it, that's one that's one less guy you have to worry about. Right, and that handful of names you just named uh, of guys with with serious question marks around him. I mean, this is a guy who came over in the trade, right? He was a trade piece last year at twenty and the kind of selling the house a couple years ago. I think ago. so, yeah. And, um, you know, if they, again, kind of found, maybe found a guy, a gem out of, the, out of that, uh, the, again, there was, what, three guys for, for 15 players. You hope a couple of them stick. If Evan Phillips is a guy that you can stick in the, in the bullpen and feel comfortable, comfortable about, that's one less question mark you have to worry about. Uh, Ryan Eads has done well as of late in six games. He's got a 3.52 ERA. He might be of note. Tanner Scott, the guy that everybody has wanted to, uh, it, it, I lump him kind of in with Jimmy Yacobonis of guys that we've seen a lot of but have not seen good consistency out of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two guys, we just we had did not see the consistency that we wanted to see coming into this year. Um, but beyond that, Bobby, are there any other names that you think really have stood out and have have gotten themselves an inside track for next year? Well, you mentioned Gabriel Yinoa, and... I feel like he does get a kind of a bad rap. Okay. But I don't I don't know if it's entirely I'm trying to look it up right now because he's been made he's made some some important starts for this team down the stretch. I mean, I know this starting rotation is anything but complete. You yeah. know, it's like Brandon Hyde is just kind of piecing it together as he goes along. I'm sure he can't wait to not have to fill out a lineup for a while after the season and pick a starter. But yeah, his ERA is six, but I just feel like every time he goes out, he's one of those guys that is giving the Orioles a chance to win. You know, he's not going to go seven, eight innings. He might not even go six, but he, he's a good opening piece to a bullpen game that allows Brandon Hyde and the Orioles to not dig themselves too deep of a hole to begin with. You know, gets you four or five innings to start, and then hopefully, again, the bullpen is... The worst in baseball, so it's hard to piece together a bullpen game like that. But, you know, keeps the Orioles in the game early. I believe he only gave up two runs the other night um, in his start uh, against the Blue Jays, um, which, again, not a great lineup, but keeping him in the game. And, and he's the guy, he might be able to serve some type of role on this team moving forward, being that kind of, let's call him a flex, you know, a flex emergency starter, flex innings eater out of the bullpen. That's fair. And one other guy I do want to mention is Asher Wojciechowski. I think he's he's 30 years old, obviously, so he's not a young pup, but he has shown uh, the ability to, uh, like you said, Bobby, like you said with Yanoa, um, to at least eat up innings, um, and that is going to be very valuable, just like it was this year. It's going to be uh, just as valuable next year. Where does Richard Blyer fit in this conversation? I really don't know, honestly, Bobby. Yeah. I have no idea. He's uh, arbitration. He's still going through arbitration eligible because, I mean, he's got he kind of got a late start, even though he's 32. Uh, you know, left-hander, we saw a couple years ago 
even as early as last year when he's I mean he didn't play too many games last year though but but he had a sub two ERA yeah and, and when he did have fifty seven appearances back in twenty seventeen kept it under two yeah so this is his first year he's ever had an ERA above two it's at five point four three right now through uh, fifty one appearances is he a guy that yes he's left handed has an okay track record and limited considering his age limited time. Does he have a place on this team, even though he's arbitration eligible? Do you think he's kind of like one of those, like uh, like we talked about Alex Cobb, one of those bounce back guys? Maybe he can stay healthy through spring training and have a solid first half, and then become a valuable left handed pitcher out of the bullpen for July thirty first. And he has pitched well in this month of September as well, keeping opponents to hitting just one forty three against him in uh, thirteen innings. It's I think I think so just because. Um, we've seen how teams will overpay for relievers at the deadline. Right. So I think anytime you have a veteran-type guy um, that is under control like that, that has shown the ability in the past, I mean, Michael Givens, for all intents and purposes, was not having a very good year uh, right before the trade deadline. Yeah. But he was still being talked about because that's how desperate teams get for relievers. Good so point. I think uh, Blyer could be kept on as a tr- potential trade piece for next year, another guy for which health is very important. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, I, I wasn't to say like he's not going to be here. No, no, I, no, he's yeah. going to be yeah, here yeah. because I mean, his one, you know, not a great season again. Who's going to take him into? He's pre-arbitration eligible. While the Orioles might as well right. just cough up the extra couple million dollars to keep him around, or uh, whatever it may be. Um, no, I was more so wondering like long term. Yeah, you think yeah. he's a long term piece? Like, I just think right now he's thirty two. I think he'll be thirty three by next season. Yeah, he turns thirty three in April, two days after my birthday. Um Aww. so, you know just because of his age. Right. You know, but also, you know, he, controllable. I mean yeah. he's he's not a free agent until twenty twenty three. So you can keep him around and maybe just be have him be that veteran presence in the bullpen that's Lights out and be, goes back to being that setup man that you ha- that you counted on back in 2017 um, for these young guys. For you know, could you imagine if you know you give a, a solid Richard Blyer the eighth inning and then a Hunter Harvey the ninth inning in like two or three years? I mean, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah. And, and a left-hander again, valuable. It'll be interesting to see how how he how he fits in their plans and if you know he becomes worthy of trading or if he becomes you know because of his contract, his late start in his career. Let's just hold on and see how he how he plays out. You said he was born two days after your birthday. Uh, or, well, his or birthday is two birthday. days <laughs> yeah, after. Yeah, yeah no, he's thirty two. He's going to be thirty three. <laughs> I'm twenty seven. He's f- he's five years old. There we go. And I'm fifteen, as we yes. established at the beginning of this. Yeah. His he made his debut on my birthday. Fun fact. Oh, May thirty. Just so many birthday. There you go. And my actual the day I was born, twenty sixteen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm two years old. You're two, uh, three. Three. <laughs> uh, that just about does it for our uh, discussion about the pitchers, though. But we will have a long off season full of podcasts. Um, to break down the position groups, to break down the Orioles' offseason moves. Are they going to sign any free agents? Are they going to play it safe like they did last year, not spend any money? Or are they going to go out there, maybe sign a veteran or two, sign some minor league free agents, um, and get ready for next year? It'll be another interesting offseason now that Michael Elias will have a full offseason. Um, on you know, to uh, Last year, hired in November, didn't have the full offseason. Now he will. I think the minor league... Spring training invites will be super interesting. Yes. I mean, that's very far down the line. That's months down the line into January, February. But fans are already looking ahead. <laughs> I mean, why not? It's, yeah. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be interesting. 
not only the minor leaguers in already in the system that are going to get invited, but free agents. Yeah. Guys, you know, like, you know, let's just give them a tryout. Because that's how they kind of pulled guys like a Dwight Smith Jr. or Hanser Alberto. Hanser Alberto. You know, just give them a shot and let them see what they have. What, what's the harm? It's, you right. know, this team isn't going. Hey, and also, before we sign off, Orioles locked in the number two overall pick That's right. for 2020. That is with right. Loss. So not exactly number one, but I have a feeling we'll do a show. They we'll do can, yeah, right we'll now. do a show. And I think they'll they'll find a good good solid pit player yeah. at, at two. Yeah, not exactly like uh, they're going to find their franchise quarterback at uh, you know it's 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 a it's a crapshoot as well. <laughs> oh, I was going to say is that a shot at the, the Giants? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, not not at all, not at all. Red's, um, Redskins play them this week. I'm okay. Pretty, I'm I, was, I thought he's you gonna, had to he's going to torch us. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. That would be bad. Just yeah. just keep them under 30 points. All right. We want to say thank you all year for listening to the Mass and All Access podcast, but a reminder that we will be around all offseason, probably weekly episodes, just like we did during the season. Um, we will come to you on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. You can watch us on the Mass and All Access Facebook page and Mass and Orioles YouTube. Um, and just just remember to, uh, to have a, a good, enjoyable week. Before we see you again, an enjoyable offseason. Three games left in the 2019 season, man. Watch some baseball. And um, and you always say, Bobby, enjoy it while it lasts because you don't know what you have. Especially this fan. I mean, this fan base is so baseball hungry all the time. Yeah. There's only three games left. 7 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all on mass. And just sit back, watch the games because you're going to have to wait until late February to watch another baseball game. So exactly. you might as well enjoy it. He's at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. I'm at Paul Mancano on Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today.